Thank you for joining The Bevel Talk, Season 8, Episode 2, looking at success skills more than just TIG welding. Today, we are talking with special guests Mark Snyder from A&B Process Control and Mark Cadillac from Miller's TIG Division. Let's get right into it. Welcome to Bevel Talk. Thank you guys for joining us today. We appreciate you listening to us. I've got Mark Snyder with A&B Process Systems and Mark Cadillac, who I know as Caddy from Miller Electric TIG Division with me again today. Thank you for joining me. I'd like to pick up our conversation where we left off, talk a little bit more in depth about what it takes to really get involved in some of these projects. I know that A&B Process Systems is involved in projects that span sometimes years of, of preparation and building and installations and such. So can you talk to us about that a little bit, Mark? Sure. So on the larger projects, it all starts with a customer either approaching us or our sales people approaching them and discussing the project, the scope, the size, duration, everything. And um, once they get a concept you know, started, they come back and then our estimators, our engineers all get involved, our project managers. And a lot of times, some of this stuff is in the works for two to three years before it actually even materializes. And once it starts to materialize, it could be on the shop floor for six months, eight months, almost a year before it's completed. And then once it's completed in the shop, then we have to disassemble it, ship it out to the customer's site. And then our installation team will appear on site and they reassemble everything. And a lot of times we will have our automation team there also when they get ready to commission the project. And once it is completed, tested, then we turn it over to the customer. So is your installation crew constantly on the road installing or are they the shop guys that build it and then they go with the system and install it? No, they're a specialty installation team. Uh, we have them traveling all over the country. Can you tell us anything about the types of jobs that they're doing? Um, you know, you don't have to give names, but we'd love to know more about what they're doing and what they're building. Sure. Some of them are involved in breweries where uh, they go in and install new equipment or they'll do some uh, remodel and piping, that type of stuff. And then we've got some pharmaceutical projects that are taking place. Our installation team gets involved in that end of it, also installing it. Um, dairy is always a big one. Um, whether it's yogurt or cheese, it's always ongoing. Uh, some projects are small, some are very large, depending on, depending on the customer, and sometimes they go in phases. Okay. Do you do any service work? Yes. We have a customer care team that will go out and do emergency repairs. Um, they also do the PMs, and we also set up for a customer care, uh, they call it ProCare contract. So we'll always be doing the maintenance on the equipment. Obviously, logistics, planning, preparation, workforce, and labor management is all a big part of what you guys are doing at A and B. How do you how do you keep track of that? How do you keep track of whether it be a WPS or a specification? Um, how do you keep organizing all of that? Well, between our quality department and our engineering team, they're able to dictate what the guys will use, what type of processes. Um, the customer kind of dictates what um, material that we use. And between everybody coming together, uh, it's, it's pretty well written down on our travelers what will be used. 
Okay. Can you explain what a traveler is for those that are listening that don't know what a traveler is? Sure. It's a written document that tracks the date and the person that welds on a piece of equipment. It also tracks the material that has a traceability number to it. Um, then it also has the, the wire that's used on it. Uh, a lot of times you'll have, whether it's got uh, the argon gas, if it's a specific lot, but it basically keeps track of everybody that works on that piece of equipment and where the material comes from. It's, it's really kind of the master sheet of, of what happened for that project. Yes, it's like a roadmap. Okay, okay, perfect. So previously you mentioned that you do a lot of work with local tech schools in Wisconsin and Illinois. If you, if you were speaking to somebody that was in a tech school or planning to go to a tech school that wanted to be part of, of a company like A and B Systems, Process Systems – what advice would you have for them, or what is your experience as you're working with these tech schools and these students? One of my major pieces of advice is for somebody to learn all the technical skills that they can, but they also have to have soft skills or success skills. And the success skills are the skills that you use to work with people. But it comes back to yourself dealing with your integrity, how you're able to work with other personalities, uh, showing up on time, showing up every day for work, that type of stuff. Once you, once you have yourself squared away with your personal skills, now it's time to work on your technical skills. Get the best training, and the best training is the repetitive training, especially when it comes from somebody that knows the industry. I always love showing up on a job or, or working with somebody that, you know, hey, you, you got to meet Bill or you got to meet Bob. He's the golden arm. You know, he's he's the golden boy. He knows exactly what he's doing. And and we've all met those guys, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And I know a guy, I, I was working with a company that, that manufactures horse trailers and they do certain parts of their horse trailer with, with TIG welding. They they like the aesthetics that it is. It's, it's their brand is built on the way it looks. And I remember walking in and they said, hey, you need to meet Matt. You need to meet Matt. He's he's this kid that just he's this flawless welder. I said, okay, what's you know, great. Let's let's meet Matt. What's unique about Matt? And I walk over and I see him, and he's welding on this horse trailer, and he's got his hand in his pocket and his filler metal and his TIG torch in the other hand, and he's just going to town. And I'd never seen that in person before. Feeding one-handed, welding, perfect bead the whole way down. Puts his hood up. And says, oh hey, I'm Matt. How you doing? It just. You know, the skill level that you said, always increasing your skill. He, I had a chance to talk to him over break time. He said, well, I got tired of using both hands, so I figured out a way to use one hand. I said, you've been able to teach anybody else how to do that? No. And so you've got Matt that feeds and welds with the same hand. Pretty interesting. But it was interesting because he was a very humble guy. I said, how did you start in welding? He said, well, I got out of high school and I needed a job. So I came and asked if I could sweep the floors. And then I asked, hey, at break time, can I use the, the scraps and, and learn how to weld? And there he is a year and a half later out of high school just welding away like nobody's business. But I think, you know, as we were talking before, you mentioned that, that a welder really needs to kind of stay humble and realize that he might know a lot, but there's people with more experience out there. There's people that have done things differently that are – you're never the top dog – does that make sense what I'm saying there? Yes, yes. Yeah. You, you should always be looking for mentors, somebody that's been doing it longer and better than you, so you can improve yourself. Um, 
self-improvement has always been something that I've looked forward to myself, but I encourage it for others. Uh, the more humble you are, the better chance you're going to have that other people are going to want to help you, to help you be successful, because that also shows back on them, that they helped you get to where you're at and make yourself better. Uh, and I have to agree with Mark that uh, uh, that's a very good trait is being humble because, you know, it is true that other people have a, have the ability that they want to teach you, you know, uh, when you don't you don't act like you know everything, you know that's 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 the hard part to get around when when people try to proclaim themselves as the best. There's always somebody better. I always joke, you know, if you ever run into somebody who says they know everything about welding, they're lying. <laughs> they're exactly. lying and walk away. <laughs> Get current with the new Miller SynchroWave 300 TIG welding power sources. Simple to set up, easy to use, and energy efficient. These smaller and lighter machines are ready to help you get more done and improve your bottom line. Learn more at MillerWelds.com slash SynchroWave. Obviously, you work with tech schools. Where else does your labor come from um, with A&B Process Systems? High schools also, mainly in central Wisconsin. I work with 25 different local high schools and their welding programs. Um, we've hired some kids right out of high school, and some of them we've encouraged to go on to uh, technical college. Um, the technical colleges are, again, a fantastic way for them to improve their skill sets before they market themselves to any company. And it also gives each of the companies out there seeking that type of, you know, skill set. It's where you can look at one person and say, that's the type of skill set that I want at my facility. Because you're going to be learning all three processes. Some are going to be better at TIG welding than others. And we specifically look for the TIG welding skill set. So how many actual welders do you have at A&B? Approximately 220. 220. And total employees, roughly? Uh, 360, I believe at this time. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. So as a welder, are you doing other tasks? Are you just, are you fitting? Are you cutting? Or are you just welding stuff that's been tacked together? No, you're participating in pretty much all the process to go along with it, whether it's measuring, cutting, uh, fitting, welding. Um, the newer associates, they're going to be doing more of the helper type as far as cutting, beveling, grinding, that type of stuff. But as you move up in the skill set into a welder and fabricator, you're going to be doing a lot of it yourself, but you're also going to be directing others under you, such as the welder helper and the welder. That's fantastic. That There's, there's a lot of on-the-job training and a lot of skill sets that are learned through observation and through being the helper that you don't get a chance to see and learn in the booth at school. You, you really need to see it. But you need to see it before you can do it. Um, Correct. And I, I always tell the students what you're learning in the school is just the tip of the tip of the iceberg. You're not going to know everything until you get out into the workforce. And it's going to take you years and years to, to learn to be a master at anything. You know, that's one thing. You can, be, you can read all the books you want and watch all the videos you want. But hands-on is where it really lies and that's where it's important. And that's where you need the practice. And especially in the TIG welding world, that's what, that's what builds a good welder is the hours under the hood. Right. So are you guys seeing 
um, like other parts of the welding industry, a, a shortage of skilled laborers or a, short of peop- a shortage of people that are coming into your TIG welding field, your high purity, high um, cleanliness fields? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, every customer that I talk to uh, is under the uh, same restraints that they have, they're having trouble getting skilled people right now. Um, we believe it's growing and getting better. Uh, with the educational systems today because I think more people are focusing on that. But uh, it's still a long haul because a lot of us that have been in the industry as long as I have, you know, we're all getting set to retire. And, you know, that's where uh, the gap is taking place. Right. So what are you at A&B or other companies like you doing to try to bridge that gap? I mean, education is one area making it a focus, but what else or what else is industry trying to do? So one of the things that we've done for years is we participate in the youth apprenticeship program. So we can get the high school students in while they're a junior and senior, and they can be exposed to what it's like to be a welder. And by that time, they're going to make their decision whether they're going to continue with the industry or even continue working with us. And we have a very high retention rate with our youth apprentice. Uh, I think it's one of the best programs that we've got. But we also do what's called a job shadow, where we can allow either a high school student or a tech college student to come in and observe like the welding uh, taking place in our facilities. Then we move them around to three to four different locations within the facilities so they can see what it's like for a day in and day out welder working at A&B. During the summer, we hire interns, uh, obviously, that are uh, in the welding field, um, whatever college they're going to. And uh, it gives them a very good look into our process. Of course, we try to expose them to other processes during that time period, but they mainly focus on the TIG um, side of uh, product development uh, and the welding skills that are required um, um, to maintain that uh, education. Right. I I think that it's it's a multifaceted problem, right? It's it's a problem that stemmed with education. It it stemmed with uh, a stigma that, that welding is a, a job for people that can't do anything else. Um, it's a manual labor hard job, and it is. I'm not going to pretend like it's not, but it's a very rewarding and a very lucrative career for so many people. I I think that job shadowing and I think that apprenticeship programs are things that are happening throughout the welding industry that are important for industry to continue to do. Correct. Mm -hmm. So one last thing, if you had recommendation for a high school student, a tech school student, or just anybody right now, if they had an interest in welding, what would you tell them to do? If they're still in high school yet, I would have them talk to their tech ed teacher so that they can get exposed to what welding is and see if they can tour a couple of the local companies that actually participate in the welding industry. And um, even even research what the pay is because there's a lot of times where uh, people don't understand how much welders actually do make along with benefits and everything else and the career path that's just opened up for them. Not much more that can be said than that, right? There really, there really isn't. I was going to add to that, but there's not much more that can be said to that. So that's a, that's, that's a very good uh, uh, thought on, on the educational piece. So in conclusion, if you even have a, think, a thought that you like welding or you might like it, go try it. 
Yes. Go talk to somebody. Go look at it. Go see it. It's a rewarding career path that has many challenges, many different facets, many different avenues that is a great thing for your family, for yourself, and for our communities. Thank you all for joining us today on Bevel Talk. We appreciate your time and, and coming to speak to us. Join us next time on Bevel Talk. Thank you.